Hey everyone, welcome to the Online Course Masters Show. Phil and Jeremy here today talking about tips for how you can better edit your course, be more productive, be more efficient, and how you can make your course better through editing. So we're going to dive into that really quickly. Jeremy, how's how's life? How's, how are things going? Life is doing good, man. I'm, I'm happy and I'm ready to dive into this topic today. I wanted to ask you because at the time of filming this, recently we got uh, a bunch of stats from Udemy and you actually posted in the Online Course Masters group uh, the stats that you got, which are pretty incredible if you actually sit down and like think about how many students have enrolled in your classes, how many minutes of content people have watched. For you, over 155,000 students have enrolled in your different classes. Um, the minutes, I'm going to do a quick little bit of math right now. 450,000 minutes of content consumed. That's a lot of time, man. I mean, how does that <laughs> make you feel after doing this for a few years? Oh, man, it's it's amazing. Like you just because like the student count, uh, it can vary because you give out, you know, free coupons. And yes. when I first started out, I did a lot more of that. So that one, that one, you know, you hold with a grain of salt. Um, I know that, you know, I've had a lot more enrollments in the past year or two uh, since I quit doing the free coupon method. Um, but the minutes is just amazing because when you see that, you're like, wow, like people are really watching my stuff. They really find it interesting. And I mean, yeah, that's that's a lot of minutes to consume. 450,000 minutes is, let's see, so that's 7,500 hours. That's like three over 300 days straight of someone like just <laughs> sitting there watching your lessons nonstop. That's pretty incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. You like you tend to forget this stuff because you get in production mode and you get in mm -hmm. course creation mode and you you're always like writing and blogging and and promoting your course and and you like I tend to forget that like I'm really affecting people's lives sometimes that people are really enjoying it. I mean, it's like that review that you get, you'll go through and you'll read review, review. Yeah, yeah, cool. Five star, five star. But then like you get that one review that's just like, man, like this really helped me. Like I helped me get a job mm -hmm. or I'm working on a degree and, and you made it, you know, it makes more sense in your course than my teachers have taught me. And like that stuff, like you have to sit back and really appreciate that. And sometimes I think we get so, you know, in the rut of just recording and producing that we, we tend to forget that sometimes. Yeah, for sure. I actually just got a message the other day and I, I don't get these messages all the time, but it was an email from a student who had taken my digital marketing class that I had taught with Diego Davila and she like straight up said like because of your class I got a promotion at work which is just like so awesome like to know that we're actually affecting people's lives and it's not just we're making nine bucks or five bucks from a sale but people are actually benefiting from our classes mm -hmm. I mean that's the beauty of this whole whole thing and why we're trying to help more people teach online classes so that you can touch more lives so mm -hmm. let's get into the co topic, which is tips for editing your course. We've got 10 tips that we're going to give you today, plus a few more maybe if we think about them. So the first tip is to just pick an editing application that works for you. It doesn't have to be complicated. With online courses, really what you're doing is just editing out mistakes, perhaps adding a title card or some images or B-roll on top of your video, talking head video. Um, using something like ScreenFlow or Camtasia or Screencast-O-Matic, which are the screen recording applications we've recommended, they all come with a built-in video editing part of it that 
I mean, they're pretty complex in the sense that you can do complex things with them, but those three tools make it super easy to edit your videos very quickly and easily. So Premiere Pro is a very professional application that I use for a lot of my content, but it's way more advanced than I need to create online courses. I probably use 2% of the capabilities of Premiere Pro for my online courses. And so my point is just, it doesn't have to be intense. You can use something free like iMovie or something that's pre-installed on your computer. Um, so just pick something that works for you and and don't worry about, oh, if I have this other application, my course is going to look a lot better and that means I can sell a lot more. Um, so what I, I know we probably talked about this in a couple episodes ago, but what editor are you using right now? Screencast-O-Matic? Uh- I, I use Premiere to edit, um, but I've used Camtasia before, and I've used Screencast-O-Matic when I was first starting out. Screencast-O-Matic for the money is, if you're just starting out, is the best bang for the buck because it has an editor in it, and mm-hmm. it does all the basics that you would need, fade-ins, fade-outs, cuts, you know, all those kinds of things. So uh, just, you know, you don't have to go crazy and buy the most expensive software and most complicated stof- software to begin with. You can use Screencast-O-Matic or the editor inside of Camtasia. It, it helps the workflow, too, because mm-hmm. if you're recording in Camtasia and you're exporting it out and bring it into Premiere and then you got to export it out, it can slow. I mean, if you've got 100 lectures, that can take a lot of time. If you can yeah. go in and record in Camtasia or ScreenFlow and edit in those softwares, I mean, it can speed up your workflow. I have Premiere in Audition, and I've I've sometimes just done everything in Camtasia before because mm-hmm. it was just it was just quicker that way. Yeah, totally. Editing is all about trying to be faster and more efficient. And our second tip is to build out templates. So this means what I suggest is to create a separate project file. So this means opening up your editor, creating a new project, and adding the music, the graphics, any sort of logos or things that you often use in all of your classes. This could be for your classes or for like things like YouTube videos. Put mm-hmm. it all there and save it as a template project, meaning just save it as a project, call it template, so that whenever you want to start a new course or a new video, you can just copy and paste or create a new version of that project file, open it, and you have all of your assets ready to go. If you really want to take it to the next level, you can actually create a sequence, which I'm not sure if they call it sequence in all of the video editing applications, but basically a new video timeline. I don't know. How do I explain sequence? Does that make sense to most people, do you think? Yeah, it it's just creating something that's already there, ready to go, that automatically has like your music in that timeline and your graphics in that timeline. So you're not having to re-import them and bring them in every time. That template is automatically ready to go with all that stuff pre-added. You don't yeah. you don't need to build everything from scratch every time. Um, yeah. And so if you already have like say a lower thirds graphic where your name flies in and says co-instructor, like. There's no reason to always start a new project and import that that you know graphic in and then add it to the timeline. Just go ahead and create a template file where that's already in the timeline, ready mm-hmm. to go, and you just bring your new your new video and drop that in and then process it. Yeah, and you can even do things where you add depending on the application you're using, um, but you can you you can have like 
sequences or tracks in your timeline that have specific audio effects applied to it. Oh, right. Or even yeah. video effect, like color correction effects where, mm-hmm. within different lay- adjustment layers. That gets a little bit more advanced, and maybe we can do some tutorial. I can do some tutorials on the Facebook group or YouTube channel for people if it, if you're interested. But that means you can just throw in your new video. It will already be color corrected. It will be The audio will be processed with getting rid of background noise or making your voice sound better. Um, that's taking it to an extreme. Um, but at the core, just create a template that has all of the assets in it that you always use. Yeah, and you, you can learn that stuff as you go along and as you get a little more advanced. And what what it's going to do is it's going to save you time. Uh, I even like made the mistake when I was first starting out where I wanted to color correct. And when you go in Premiere and you start chopping up your timelines, like I didn't really even know when I first used Premiere that you could like just do it across a whole timeline. So oh, yeah. I was copying and pasting the effect into each one of the trims. And so mm-hmm. it just, it got monotonous. But then I found out, oh, you can apply it to the whole timeline and it just really speeds up the process. And if you already have that pre-templated uh ready to go, then you can just drop your files in and you know they're always going to look good and sound good. Mm-hmm. Now, the next tip that we have is looking at your waveforms, and this is your audio waveforms. So you want to make sure that uh, sometimes you don't see this. You might have to um, open it up. Uh, sometimes you'll see the audio like track, but if you like actually go in that track, you can make it bigger and you can mm-hmm. expand it so you can see the waveform. I would say most editors... De- Uh, have the ability to do this now and you just want to make sure that you don't have any you know major peaks or you're not hitting the roof and and it's clipping and making it sound bad you have even sound across the board Mm -hmm. Uh, most editors will allow you to do audio normalization and that's just going to kind of bring the highs and the lows to like a middle ground so it all sounds nice and even Um, this is also where we talked in a previous episode about clapping to mark Mm -hmm. is this a good take or a bad take, you'll see those claps in the audio waveform. And then the other thing about clapping in waveforms is if you are recording your audio and your video separately, you'll want to clap on the camera. And then when you go into your editor, you can find that clap and sync that up with your video. So it just makes it easier to find it and and move along that way. Um, is there anything else about waveforms that I miss that you wanted to add to that? No, just to clarify that last point you made. So if you're recording video with a camera and then you're recording audio separately, your camera will still record audio, which is the I call it a scratch track of audio. So that's how you'll have to sync it up in your editor. But uh, having that clap with that spike in the waveform, you'll see that on both files, the separate audio and the camera's audio. And that's how you match them up, basically move them so that they're overlapped. And that's how you sync that audio. Yeah. If you're, if you're not watching this and you're listening to the podcast, I suggest go ahead on over to YouTube, subscribe while you're there and uh, check out this video. I'm going to show real quick. If I just go to the camera and I hold my hands up, sorry, I hit the mic and I just go like this. I hold it there for a minute. And what you can do is you can scrub through the frames to where you see your fingers touch. Mm -hmm. And then you can actually find where that clap is inside of the waveform and you can cut those and, and line them up where your fingers touch and that clap is and they'll line up because your microphone audio isn't going to uh, match your camera audio necessarily because you might hit record on your camera and then two seconds later 
you hit your microphone mm-hmm. to record. They're yeah. not lined up, so you use that method of clapping to line those up. Another thing that uh, I like to do, I'm sure you do this too, is use keyboard shortcuts. This totally. makes your workflow go a lot faster. Um, definitely learn like the trim and the edits, uh, those shortcuts immediately, because that's just gonna really s- speed the process up instead of having to go to edit, you know, trim, edit, trim every time, or right-click trim. You just find whatever that is, Control-V or E or whatever it is, and then as you're going through and making your edits, you can just be mashing those keyboard shortcuts. Um, I usually use those. I use, like, forward and back, scrubbing forward and back, Mm -hmm. and going to the beginning of the track and the end of the track. What are some other keyboard shortcuts that you use? I mean, it's going to be different in any every video editing application, but usually they have shortcuts and that'll be in the help menu or something in the project menu, file menu. So you'll have to find this or search on online for keyboard shortcuts for your application that you use. But aside from like the scrubbing, there's one that I use a lot, which is the fast forward scrubbing um, where you can double play at double speed. And just with a keyboard shortcut, you can play, you can pause or you can rewind and you can then double tap to go uh, through at double speed, which is really helpful when you're editing a long video and you just want to, um, yeah, edit faster. Uh, I know the keyboard shortcuts for me that I use are like the title tool for adding titles. Um, I mean, yeah, aside from cutting... Pre-render, did they call it pre-render in Premiere where you want to... You want to render a short block just to see if you throw in like an After Effects file. Yeah, you have to like, like rendering, it to see it. rendering, yeah. even exporting, the saving. I mean, those are all keyboard shortcuts that you should use. And it, just take a minute to look it up and practice with it because it will, over the course of you know many years of editing, it will save you days <laughs> of your time <laughs> um, rather than like looking down and up at your keyboard or clicking in the file menu to find these kind of edits so before i move on to our next tips i do i never do this i have never done this jeremy maybe once i want to read a review because we want more reviews for this app for this podcast wherever you are listening uh we don't get enough reviews i Mm. i have 42 reviews on itunes which is amazing and i love every one of you who has left a review But um, we want more reviews. And so if you can take a moment right now, wherever you're listening to this, to leave a review. If you're not, if you're listening to this on the Online Course Masters website or if you're watching the YouTube video, please go over to Apple Podcasts on your phone or go to iTunes on your computer or go to Stitcher or Google Play. Subscribe and download a couple episodes and leave a review. Take a few minutes. Um, We don't charge anything for this podcast and we spend a lot of time doing it. And so really just being able to reach more people through getting more reviews and rising the charts on uh, the podcast directories is the only way you can really say thanks to us. So I'm going to read our latest review, which was from April 28th, 2018 from Jeff L 98 He says, two thumbs up. This is one of those podcasts full of little golden nuggets, gold nuggets, and I've learned a ton from listening to them. Definitely recommend if you are looking seriously at creating your own online courses. So thank you, Jeff L 98 for that review. And uh, hopefully this inspires you to leave a review and maybe we'll read it out on the podcast. Cool. Awesome. And I'll throw this out there too. 
If you leave a review, send me a message with your website, your YouTube channel, wherever, and we'll throw it out there. We'll pitch you on this podcast if you leave a review um, and you send me a message letting us know that you did. All right, back to editing tips. My fifth tip is uh, to batch process your work. And for me, this looks like I'll record my entire course, I'll import all of my lessons, and then I'll go through and I'll create individual timelines or sequences for all of my different lessons, and I'll edit all the mistakes from all of my lessons, then I'll go through and improve the audio for all of my lessons, then I'll go through and add graphics for all of my lessons, rather than doing it one one lesson at a time where you import, you edit mistakes, you add audio and graphics and all those things for and then even export i think for me at least batch processing processing has helped a lot and made overall the process a lot faster do you do this or do you kind of edit each video one at a time i've gone back and forth um sometimes i like to do a video and then edit and then upload it because you feel kind of like a little bit of an accomplishment. You see your yeah. course growing that way. But it's also bit me in the butt before because I have done that and then found out like maybe I uh, didn't have a setting right or something went haywire and I have to go back and fix those videos. Or yeah. maybe I forgot to talk about something or mention something. I got to go back and edit them. Um, so what I do, I, I usually batch process, I'd say probably 80% of the time. Um, and now what that does is like if I'm doing audio uh, and I'm in that mindset of adjusting the audio. I can just keep cranking them out and I get faster and faster and faster. When you get into, you're going to record and then you're going to stop and edit and then you're going to stop and publish it and then you're going to stop and do the copywriting and then you go back to recording, you've like, you have to get back in the mindset of recording again and it can kind of slow you down. Whereas if you get into the mindset of recording and you record all your videos, you're actually going to get faster as you do that. Same with editing. As you begin editing uh, and you're learning shortcuts and you're in the editing process, you can crank out your videos quicker because you're in that mindset and you're not jumping back and forth a whole lot. And then I've also like had the problem before where I was going to do some batch processing and I ended up doing some individual videos. And by the time I got back to doing the audio on those videos, I forgot the settings. (laughs) And so I hadn't written them down. And so I was like, oh, what did I set, you know, this audio setting to? And now I've got to go back and listen to it and find it and, and so forth. So like now when I'm in the process of editing audio and I know the settings, as I go through those videos and I batch process, uh, they're in, they're fresh in my mind and I can just keep applying those settings over and over again. Yeah, and that's good. That's one extra reason why using a template's a good idea. You could even have a template where you have one kind of sample video clip that has your settings on it for both color correction and audio. And then it's as simple as, at least with Premiere, you could just copy and paste those settings from one clip to the next. I mean, also just with exporting, batch exporting all of your videos which is usually possible on most of these editing apps it it, editing and rendering your videos takes up a lot of processing power and so a lot of people will export after they edit an individual video but then their computer is too slow to do anything else so what i recommend if you have that a slower computer is to 
batch export it all like after you're done working, even in the middle of the night or whatever, depending on how long it takes um, to export on your computer. Yeah, if you're using uh, a program like Premiere, I'm not sure about some of the other editing applications, but I know Premiere, you can actually batch export into the secondary program. What was that called? Uh, um, uh, Adobe Media Encoder. Yeah, the Media Encoder. And what that does is it allows you to close Premiere, which is very uh, memory intensive. Mm -hmm. And this program will take all the information that you created and they'll allow you to batch export everything. And like you said, if you do that while you're sleeping, you can wake up the next morning and all your videos will be done. And as a side note, real quick, as I mentioned before about the settings, I don't think I've talked about this before, but anytime that you go through and you get settings uh, where you like them, you should definitely document that. Mm -hmm. I found that to be very helpful. So if I'm going in and I'm uh, adjusting the contrast, you know, plus 10 or or whatever it may be, I write that down now so that later on when I go back, if I do need to make those corrections to other videos, I have that documentation. So I do that with everything. My camera settings, like mm -hmm. I'll write down what ISO I'm at, what my aperture is at. Um, I'll write down, you know, my, my video, what resolution or so forth, whatever it is. Write all that stuff down so later on you can reference it. And it's good to have that consistency from video to video and course to course, uh, just so that you build that sort of style of how your videos look. So tip number six, also to help you make your videos a lot better, and, but still make it easy, is to use templates for graphics. So specifically in Premiere Pro and After Effects or Final Cut Pro, you can purchase templates from a from sites like videohive.net. Mm -hmm. And if you go to videoschoolonline.com and go to the resources page, you'll find a link to VideoHive, and that's an affiliate link. If you want to, um, at no extra cost to you, you, you can help me out by going through that link. But they have amazing templates that are mm -hmm. between 10 to 20 bucks that have really advanced lower third graphics, intro graphics, title cards. For mm -hmm. YouTube channels, they have entire broadcast sort of packages where you, it has all kinds of things from intros to transitions and social media graphics and you could get a whole sort of package that looks good together and you don't have to know how to really use them yourself you do have to learn how to edit them which is not too difficult and usually they actually come with tutorials on how to edit them um, but this is something that I used to build out all my graphics myself because I, I know how to do this in After Effects. But nowadays, I'll usually just purchase a template because it saves me a lot of time and um, they look really, really good. Is this something that you're doing at all? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're an After Effects guy. I come from a computer animation background. Me and you could easily go in and create our own lower thirds graphics but do I want to spend my time doing that? I'm, you yeah. know, I could I could waste two or three hours building out that lower thirds graphics, or I could spend ten bucks and go and buy one that does what I need it to do. And that you just weigh the pros and cons of that. You know, ten dollars to save me three hours of work, it's definitely worth it because my time is worth more than you know ten bucks an hour or whatever it comes out to. Um, so I I do like using the templates. I, I use them for more and more things as time goes on. I start. Started using them for slides. I mean, mm -hmm. back in the day, I would even because I, you know, teach Canva and Canva has a lot of templates. But I'd like go in there and change the colors and the graphics around. Nowadays, I don't even do that. I'll just go find me a really awesome, you know, PowerPoint slide presentation mm -hmm. and 
download that and use that template also. So I, I highly recommend using templates. The benefits that you get out of spending money on a nice template outweighs the time that it would take you to recreate that stuff from scratch. Yeah, totally. Is there anywhere else besides videohive.net that you're using? Is, is that in Vado? Yeah, it's yeah, under it's, the Envato market. Yeah, so I've, I've used Envato mostly. I know I've used others. I can't think of any off the top of my head. But I went ahead and I have an Envato Elements subscription. Mm. So you can buy individual packages through the Envato market, which is like videohive.net and a whole list of other ones that give you photos and audio and different things. Um, but with the Elements subscription, you have the ability to pay a monthly fee and you have access to a whole bunch of templates um, for various different things. So I, I typically use that mostly. That's pretty awesome. I actually didn't know they had a subscription. I'm going to need to get on that <laughs> for <laughs> like photos it, and all kinds of stuff too. That's yeah. awesome. It's a it's a little more limited than what's on the Envato market, but mm-hmm. it still has some really great stuff. I, I use it all the time. And then, you know, like I said, using a program like Canva, Canva is a free online tool mm-hmm. that has a lot of templates and, and images that you can use for free already in it. Um, and then if you change out some graphics or some photos, they only charge you like a dollar for that. So uh, even using a program like Canva is, is really beneficial. Um, you can actually present from Canva, which I found out recently. You can actually like not even use PowerPoint. You can pr- mm. present directly from Canva, which I think is pretty awesome too. Yeah, that's cool. Nice. So um, so we talked about templates and batch processing, keyboard shortcuts, and, and these various things. Once we have those videos ready to go, we're going to want to compress them. And basically what that means is it's going to try to keep the quality of the file um, while lowering how big it is in terms of megabytes or gigabytes. So as you know and I know, videos can get very large very quickly uh, depending on how long they are and the resolution and what you have in them. And so whenever we upload these to a platform, one, it's going to take longer to upload, and two, it could actually slow down the time that the viewer has to see them because it has to essentially download that video and then render and play that out for you on the platform like say Udemy. Mm -hmm. So what we do is we compress the video, we try to keep the quality but lower the file size and that just makes it easier to upload, it's better playback for the viewers and it makes it easier to store on the cloud which we'll talk here in a second where you can actually upload your videos to a cloud service and then sites like Udemy and uh, I don't know if Skillshare does it will actually allow you to import those videos Mm -hmm. from that cloud surface. So we can use a program like Handbrake. um, That's H-A-N-D-B-R-A-K-E. And this is a really great program where you can throw in files. You uh, choose a setting like, you know, 1080 at a compressed uh, file size, and then you render it out and it'll take your one gigabyte video to like 200 megabytes. And Mm so that gives you, you know, five times the speed of uploading it or the viewer being able to see it. Yeah. Uh, and you can use Handbrake. That's a free option. It's great for both Mac and Windows users. But you can also compress your files using your editing application. But um, Handbrake has presets that are just so easy to use that even I'll sometimes take what I've ed- exported it in Premiere Pro and just run it through Handbrake again just to get a more compressed version uh, for uploading. 
And when whenever you're doing this, I do recommend testing and seeing what what looks good. Yeah. You don't want to sacrifice too much compression for uh, video quality. So if you're finding that um, you're getting feedback that your your videos are too pixelated, yeah. it might be that you over compress them. So you took a one gigabyte file to like a ten megabyte file, and it's yeah. all pixels. So you want to make sure that when you do this, do do look at it, uh, look at it through different players. You know, sometimes I'll open up VLC Media Player, I'll open up QuickTime, and I'll I'll check them out on those different platforms and just kind of see what it looks like. Yeah. Um, and then what, what it does is it allows you to upload to the cloud. Now, I haven't done a lot of this. I know it, it is an option, so I'll need your help here, Phil, about talking about this. But basically, you can take your videos for your course, and you can upload them to cloud storage, and that allows you to share those across the different platforms. So what platforms do you know of that actually allows you to use a service where you can have them stored in one place, mm -hmm. and then they'll pull from that place? Well, the ones that I use are, well, Udemy allows you to do this now because they have a bulk uploader that you can bring in files from Google Drive, Dropbox, maybe Box.com too, and a couple others, and also Teachable. And there's other platforms that use Teachable as their hosts, such as Stack Skills, which is the Stack Commerce sort of um, site. And Skillshare right now doesn't. They used to have a bulk uploader, but they don't right now. And I'm trying to think what else. A lot of them actually do, but mostly for me, it's Udemy and Teachable, which are my main platforms for hosting my courses. And so that means I only have to upload once, and then I can just grab those files through the bulk uploader um, from my Google Drive. So I use Google Drive. It I pay $10 a month for one terabyte of cloud storage. They have 100 gigabytes for two bucks a month. Um, or you, there's a free plan that has, uh, I think, like five gigabytes or something, or 15. They're up to 15 now. Um, Dropbox is another one um, that a lot of people use. It's cheaper for the one terabyte. It's eight twenty-five a month um, if you do the yearly plan. And so I think not only is it great for uploading to these different sites, but what I've used it a lot for, too, are these other smaller sites that will actually do the work for us to upload our courses. And it's as easy as then just sharing a link to a folder of files with them. So for example, I'm trying to think like there's sites like Skill Success or ofcourse.co.uk that will actually create your course for you and upload all your content. And if it's already on Google Drive ready to go, it just makes it a lot easier to just be like, hey, yeah, let's do this. Uh, let, here's my files, take them away and upload them. Uh, and I've just found a, often that I'm using Google Drive to share videos with people or even from one computer to the next. Or if I'm out doing something, it's good to have access to the content just to check out. Um, so for me, it's definitely worth it once you get to a certain point of having a lot of courses to just have them always accessible in the cloud. Yeah, and it's uh, the cloud is really great because even teleprompter software now will pull from the cloud. So the yeah. teleprompter software that I have, I can write my script in like a Google Doc, and it will import uh, that script from the teleprompter app directly into it. Um, another thing is like uh, sharing with other co-instructors. So if you're working with someone else and uh, you need to upload the file, maybe they want to make edits, you know, like um, same with us. Whenever we do this podcast, I'll 
render out my audio and I'll put it up on a shared Google Drive, which Phil will then take download and put the podcast together. You could do the same thing with your course. If you're working on a course with someone else, you could have cloud storage where you're sharing your scripts, you're sharing your videos, your edits, and so forth. Yes. I don't know if you can hear my dog in the background. <laughs> she, she's having a nightmare. and She's growling at some cat in her dreams, I think. Uh, <laughs> but yes, all great points. I think using the cloud is is great. And over time, it's just going to get cheaper and faster for us to use. So start start using it now so you're comfortable with it. Our ninth tip is just to take the time to actually edit your course and make it the best possible. There's a balance in doing an MVP course, the minimum viable product, and taking some extra time to make sure that you edit out mistakes or any extra pauses, editing out ums and errs. And I think there's, like I said, a balance and maybe it depends on your style. But I think in the long run, taking just a little bit of extra time to edit your videos to make them as succinct as possible is going to be worth it and students are going to appreciate it. Um, I, like I said, there's a balance, so you have to figure out that balance for yourself. Um, but I would say it's good, a good idea to um, at least edit out mistakes and definitely even like some pauses or things like that. Yeah, you got to be careful here. We had a episode on perfectionism. And yeah. when I first started, I fell into this where I wanted to edit out all my ums, which I, I find that I do quite often. <laughs> but Yeah, when you so, listen to yourself. But what I what I didn't realize was, you know, this is when I, I first started, I was uh, completely removing the audio altogether and not leaving any background noise whatsoever. So in the audio waveform, it was actually like pitch black because there's mm -hmm. nothing there. There's no room noise. And what I didn't realize when I uploaded that video is you can hear an audible silence and not just like a quiet silence, but like space, like nothing yeah. silence. And it was, <laughs> it was very aggravating because you would hear me talking and then you'd hear these little blips of like complete darkness. Yeah. And I found out eventually that it wasn't even worth it. I was spending too much time doing it. It sounded worse than if I just left them in. So you do want to find that balance, but definitely edit out any really bad mistakes. Don't leave those in. Yeah. Make, and and I say that because I've real. watched courses <laughs> where people have left mistakes and I might have done this myself too, where I forgot to edit out something, but they like have a mistake and then they like re-say what they're meant to say the right way. And so it's like little stuff like that. Just like make sure you actually pay attention <laughs> to that when you're editing. Our last tip, tip number 10 is to keep your files just in case you need to make changes in the future. Um, this goes for the project files and also the actual video files um, and the raw files that you're using to edit your your videos. I know it takes up space. You'll want to definitely back it up on a hard drive or even do a double backup with two hard drives. But I've found that I'll go back and edit a video or there will be things that a student points out and I'll want to make changes or just having access to the old content is good and and having that um, project file and everything sort of cleanly organized and backed up. So all you have to do is go find the drive and open up the project. You don't have to rebuild it from scratch or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I know for me, I've saved a lot of time by um, backing up my files and having them accessible. Yeah, I have a, se a separate terabyte hard drive just for 
uh, videos and courses and stuff. So it doesn't even mingle with the rest of the files on my computer. And also one thing, a little tip to be aware of is if you're using a program like Premiere, it'll actually store temporary files and like certain drives on your computer. You, you'll want to go and research this a little more on your own, but basically it can fill up your, your hard drive very fast and your computer will start slowing down and getting bogged down with memory. Uh, just keep in mind that those are on your computer and every now and then you want to go through and flush those out and delete them. But you want to keep the main files, you know, like Phil said, backed up somewhere. And, you know, I have a separate hard drive just for those files. So I can always go back. Even the first course I did, I still have all my files. I could go back and redo that course if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Cool. Well, hopefully these 10 tips help you become a better editor for your online courses. If you have any other tips that we didn't mention, we'd be happy to hear them from you. Go over to the Facebook group. Just go to onlinecoursemasters.com, click the community button at the top, join the group and share any of your thoughts or tips with us. Uh, And if you have any other questions or follow up thoughts or feedback for us on this episode, feel free to leave it there. Um, and yeah, it's going to be, uh, an exciting time. We've got a bunch of more episodes coming up in the future. Next time we're going to be talking about course extras. This means things that you can add to your course, like quizzes, projects, resources, closed captions, things that will make the student experience better, help you sell more courses. We'll talk about the pros and cons of each, what's worth it, what's not worth it. Uh, and just give you some ideas for how you can make a really engaging course and then eventually we're working our way towards actually launching our course and so in the future lessons we're going to be talking about publishing our courses to different platforms which ones we recommend setting prices using free coupons all kinds of different strategies to start selling your courses and growing your online course business so jeremy thanks as always for being here with me i hope everyone enjoyed it thank you for everyone who took the time to leave a review today And have a great day and a great week. And we'll see you next time. See you.